Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the newly rebranded Last Lap Podcast. Same as the old one, but just a different name. Yep. Uh, I took when I realised we were changing. I thought, oh, that's going to seem a little bit weird, but I'm already. It already feels normal. We haven't even done a show just from seeing it on the Facebook page and stuff. Like it's like it's been a seamless transition. I'd like to think so. Um, yes. In, in case people were not aware. Uh, we were found to have been infringing on somebody's ancient trademark for a crappy NASCAR podcast that they've been doing since 2003. Of which we will not name the name for no. fear of legal repercussions. Indeed. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm entitled to my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it was a shame. Uh, it probably could have been handled a little bit better, but... We live in the, we move on, and that's that. Then's so. the breaks. This is the the living the life of a, an independent podcast. These are the things that occasionally happen. Is that you start something going, and then somebody says, "Oh, I've been I've been calling my thing that for longer than you have," and you just go. Imagine okay. having an actual legal trademark. Though. Well, I came across, uh, le- taking this a little bit too seriously, maybe. Well, uh, in all fairness, and you know, uh, put that out there. It, the other podcast, as it shall, <laughs> shall be hence known, is syndicated by an actual radio station, so uh, they can afford to go out there and put massive legal amounts of legal money into protecting the name Final Lap in regards to all motorsport, regardless of the fact that they don't talk about anything other than NASCAR. That's just like... <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit like... Um, I don't know, match of the day saying nobody else is allowed to uh, call their program match of the day, regardless if all they talk about is basketball or hockey, because we've trademarked match of the day in regards to sport. Yeah, I mean, it seems a little bit silly because we're a completely different... Essentially, we are just a different sport, completely. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, anyway... It is what it is, and we'll move on, because in our sport... <laughs> Interesting things Formula happen one. in our sport. Just, oh, zing. <laughs> Interesting things happen all the time in our sport. And uh, this week is no different whatsoever. And, you know, we've had, th- what is it, three weeks off? You'd think, oh, they're on holiday for a couple of weeks. Nothing's good's going to happen. <laughs> well, especially <Our> especially <laughs> as they left it until, like, they'd let 14 days or whatever it is since we did the last podcast elapse. And then in the... <laughs> In this, um, uh, what we spent the last forty-eight hours, isn't it? Pretty, pretty much the last forty-eight hours. They decided, well, you know, fuck it, let's let's ramp some interest up in this motherfucker. Uh, As you quite rightly put it uh, to to myself earlier, silly season has well and truly begun. <laughs> <laughs> if there has been a sillier season in recent memory, I I do not remember one. Um, Certainly, silliest uh, three or four days. For a long time, like, it wasn't just one thing, it was, wasn't just two things, three different things that we're about to cover, and uh, what do you think's the most headline-worthy one of the three, what was your... Oh, um, I don't know, I think that they all kind of, there's something 
almost unbelievable about all of them really um when you delve down into the stories behind them it's it's mm -hmm. all kind of i i think probably the one that would it, in chronologically it almost works out how much more shocking they are i think actually so we started off with the biggest the second one was pretty damn surprising and then the third one was just like oh okay but then when you understand why it happened it it makes more sense and is slightly less shocking comparatively at least i think um so yeah i think let, well let's start with with what happened first um yeah i mean i agree with you i think i think this is we're about to get into is the craziest of the crazy stories uh you wanna you wanna take it well tell, tell our loyal public indeed uh it was something that uh, the ironic thing is that after we finished our last podcast some 20 odd days ago uh, um or so it seems Has it, it been that long i think it, what it when, <laughs> when we signed off the last podcast there was like 20 i'm sure there was like 24 days something ridiculous until the next race or something something stupid i'm sure it's I'm sure it said 20 on the thing it's been a it's been a big long break it's not just been a couple of weeks it's been it's been a while so we were yeah it must have been because we we did it on the Monday, I think, didn't we? Literally after the the race, it was our, our closest one we've ever done, managed to do to the actual end of a Grand Prix. It just so happened to be looking at the biggest gap <laughs> till the next one. Because, you know, timing, we're, we're really good at planning. Um, so, yeah, it, it really just not too long after that, we had the news that uh, Max Verstappen, uh, son of amazingly as it turns out the most successful dutch driver ever wow. that says quite a large <laughs> bit about dutch motor racing I think doesn't it, it? it really rather does um jos verstappen um he of the uh, sort of mid 90s early 2000 racing um jos is more famous for beating up his wife than he is his formula one driver <laughs> um <laughs> But yes. But yes, Max, Max, on the other hand, seems to have a bit of talent, apparently. Well, I, hear. I would, haven't actually seen him in person. It, it would seem so, because he was signed up to the Red Bull Junior program. Um, and I tell you what, there's a wiki page to go and have a look and look at all the drivers that have been through the Red Bull Junior program and see how many of the names you recognise. And you go, oh, I didn't actually realise they were part of they. I'd forgotten that Karen Chanduk was part of the Red Bull Junior program. Yeah. It's... It's really weird. It also showed me that we've been missing out on some of the greatest names that should have been driving in Formula One. Um, well, that's basically the entire last five years of Toro Rosso. Now, all the, all the guys that have come through Toro Rosso probably all could have a drive. Um, like Almeida, Suarez, Sebastian Buemi, uh, Jev himself, uh, and I'm sure there's a couple more I'm not thinking of. All these guys realistically probably could have a drive if, if, if there was enough teams available. It would... Not enough teams, too many drivers, and somebody's got to miss out. And Red Bull have a weird habit of having all of them on their books. <laughs> it, it was actually it was really more of a case that they have some funny names. Oh, you mean oh, you mean you mean literally? Literally, some names, great right. names we could right. have had. We Not could... great names as in great drivers. No. Probably. Literally names. Literally just names. We we missed out. Throw a couple of names at me then. Well, Throw we we certainly missed out on the um, uh, Finnish driver Mikamaki. I've never even heard of him. No, I know, but he 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 is a Red Bull or was a Red Bull Junior driver between 2007 and 2009. 
I can't believe we missed out on Mikamaki. I think that's amazing. Um, but I think uh, the one that I really wish had gone through, actually there's two, uh, Stefan Wackerbauer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's got to be a stage name. <laughs> it's just amazing. It doesn't sound real. It's probably it's probably not pronounced anything like that. It's probably Vorkabar and probably you would be less less interesting but it look it's spelt wackabauer as far as i'm concerned and i just think that would be brilliant if you drove like past about nardo that would be that's all you'd want isn't it is wackabauer wackabauer in a massive crash his name is on a matapaya for a massive f1 shunt isn't it <laughs> oh no, he's he's had a complete Wackerbauer. <laughs> that's, that's what it's like. <laughs> we we also missed out on the South African sensation Adrian Zorg. 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 Z A U G G. Zorg. Double G. Double. Not just one G for this guy. <laughs> he's a real OG. O T T G possibly. One, one man who was certainly not going to miss out on is Max Verstappen uh, who has been good uh, good in Formula 3 very good in Formula 3 I'm not 100% sure I'm not sure either just I... how good he's been I think he's been but he right. must have been because and this is the biggest news coming out of the the break is he's going to drive for Toro Rosso next year at the grand old age of uh, 17 just just 17 Wow. Just let that sink in for a little bit. He's not even legally allowed to drive a Ford Focus, but he's going to be driving a 212 brake horse, but uh, uh, kilometers, uh, miles an hour, God, we'll get there right eventually, 212 mile an hour car, but he isn't allowed to nip to Sainsbury's in his Ford Focus. No, it's bizarre. He, uh, he won Masters of Formula 3, which was not a series I'd heard of before. He's only been driving single seaters for I think one year. Well, he, he's he's been he's go, go some racing career record essentially that I can find on Wikipedia starts in 2014. Uh, he came third in the Florida Winter Series, don't you know? Um, what, that prestigious <laughs> series, fucking hell. Um, he's currently, to be fair, he's currently second in the FIA European Formula Three Championship. So yeah, I mean, he's got eight wins in that I'm seeing here, but. This brings up just a slightly tangent point here, but have you seen how many races are in the Formula 3 Championship? I thought it said he had eight wins. He's, he's, thought, he's done 27 races, ah, and that season hasn't even finished yet, as, yeah, as we speak. Well, there's, there's 33 races in the whole season. <laughs> so, so, yeah, must be eight, eight wins is not exactly... <laughs> yeah, when I heard it was eight wins, I thought, oh, God, he must be like, now I don't fire... But now that I've done a little bit more research, I mean, it's good, sure, it's still a good record, no doubt about that. But, yeah, I thought it was, when I first heard it, it sounded more impressive than it is. And that makes it, I feel like I'm, even as I say that, I feel like I'm, I'm bad-mouthing him and I'm not intending to. I'm just saying, that's a, basically, that's a lot of fucking races in the Formula 3 World Championship. That's a, I didn't really, that's like, I mean, obviously, because they do, you must be doing... Yeah, like there's three. There's three races per. Yeah, it's three or two between two and three races per weekend, which is just weird. Yeah, three. Yeah, three races per weekend. Strange. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, and Masters of Formula Three, which he won, is one race. So. One race. Like, what the fuck? Anyway. 
So yeah. Now so, that we figured that out. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So Max Verstappen basically joins the Red Bull Junior team um, at the end of August, or at the start of August, I should say, really, from the from the end of the last one. Uh, and by the end of the August, yeah, ne- next season he's um, he's kicking Jev out of his seat at uh, Toro Rosso, which was, well, somebody kicking Jev out of his seat was probably fairly inevitable. And, and that's no offence to Jev. He's just, he's been as outstanding as Alguswari or Buemi were, and they got kicked out of their seats. So <clears throat> Yeah, I, th- I think he's probably been worse than Alguswari. Uh, to me, Alguswari is the best out of those, those click of... Uh, Young, young Red Bull drivers. If Alguiswari didn't retain his seat, and he was getting points finishes every week towards his last six months there, he, mm-hmm. that, that Toro Rosso was quite quick that year, and he was consistently doing really well. I thought, and if they kicked him out, Jeff had no chance. To be fair, the the funny thing is now though with this Max Verstappen deal is, it's not like they've got someone even moderately experienced next to him. Kvyat's only got. Well, whatever race we're on this season, ten races. He's only got ten races under his belt himself. So, I mean, yeah, the combined age is there, and it's about the age of Jensen Button. <laughs> it's it's really bizarre. And the one person I feel really sorry for in all of this is poor old um, Carlos Sainz Jr., who's been with the team since 2010 been hanging around that sort of Toro Rosso drive just waiting for you know a Jev to go or a um or a Buemi or somebody like that to go to allow allow him to get a seat and <laughs> they've utterly fucking rogered him for 16 years do you know the thing about Carlos Sainz Jr he is only 19 <laughs> so like and, and it's like Sam Brundle was saying earlier at 19 is, is he too old now? Is he past it? Wow. <laughs> is that what it's come to? Like, if you're not in the drive by the time you're out of your, if you're out of your teens before getting a drive, is that is that it? Do you not get to make it in Formula One now? That's what it's coming. Hami Agusvari himself's only about twenty-two, and he's he's been out of the game for about three years. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um... It's just remarkable. Yeah, you're right about Carlos Sainz. So, I mean, he's leading the 3.5 this year, which is what Magnussen came from. And Van Dorn did really well in. He's, yeah. he's got a lot of talent. So, yeah, clearly Carlos Sainz has got something. He's, he's definitely got something to show. I mean, he's they've done 11 races so far. He's had six poles and five wins. Yeah, and five fastest exactly. laps, five podiums. It's like... You know, championship. The, so the, the boy ain't doing too badly in what is you know considered probably the the second feeder series behind um, yeah. GP2. Oh, and, it, and it's increasing in in popularity the 3.5. Like 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 I say with Magnussen coming through now a lot of, a lot of people are saying that the 3.5 is is, is is at the GP2 level of, of showing what guys can do. So you're absolutely right when you say poor Carlos signs basically. Uh, I don't know what he, he you wonder what that decision is based around why they've just gone no we're not even gonna we're not even gonna countenance having both of them in the car well, the interesting thing for me was uh, i don't know if i'd if i'd have been then i'd have maybe said um it's both your first season so we're gonna give you half a season each or you're gonna alternate drives or something like that 
Because I mean, it's Toro we... Rosso, and they, yeah. they're never going to change. They're never going to go for the drivers' championship, so it, it's not a problem. You know, no, neither of those Absolutely. guys are going to win the the drivers' championship. So why don't you just say you will alternate race weekends, and then by the end of the season, who's had the better results or who mm -hmm. we ever feel we is the better driver gets the the seat for twenty sixteen. Yep, I I can see I, can, I I like that on paper. I think that's a good theory. The only question is, is you know. How the, the the jumping in and out of the car, you don't get really an opportunity to build up any consistency and get on a run. Of, like, imagine one of them, you know, got a podium one weekend, and then the next weekend they were out of the car. I mean, like I say, it's good in theory, but I just I feel like it would be a bit awkward. Well, not necessarily bad, just a bit a bit odd in practice. I'd maybe probably, maybe half maybe half probably. a season in a chunk. And then another half a season in chunk. See, I thought about that, but then the car gets better throughout a season. So mm, whoever so, whoever yeah, came second gets a bit of a, a thing. So, or maybe you could do it in four chunks. So you say, yeah, or even know. yeah, many many little like three weekends. There's three weekends, and the other guy gets three weekends. Yeah, something like that. And then and then if, if one guy's comprehensively performed out the other guy by half season, then they could maybe get the rest of the season or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Basically, Red Bull need a third team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would appear well. so. Wow, and, and McLaren and McLaren need a second team by the number of fucking drivers they appear to be bringing on these days. So yeah, yeah, let's get those second teams this, in. I seen this to my mate the other day who texted me about Verstappen. It's like there's this until Raikkonen, Alonso, Button, until they retire, Massa, all these guys who are now you know. They're last. They're the previous generation now. These guys, and they're all at the tail end of their careers, and and they're all still good enough to drive. But until these guys start retiring, none of these young kids. They're just going to be in kind of limbo. They're not really getting a chance to, to step up. So, like, there's what? Like, there's like four or five. I mean, Weber's gone. Yeah, and he was and, very and, much the elder statesman. Yeah. Boy. And now it's Button, Alonso, Raikkonen, Massa. Uh, to a lesser extent, Sutil. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting someone. But yeah, there's there's that sort of five, six guys who, for all intents and purposes, have kind of had their day. And they're not they're not holding back the young kids, because if the young kids were good enough, they'd be in the car. Simple as that. But, you know, when those guys go, there's going to be such an opportunity for all these kids to step up because all these guys are a very similar age that they're all going to disappear within a year or two of each other and then it'll be it'll, it'll be like a completely new sport when once we lose that whole crew of drivers you'll have ricardo and vettel leading the red bull team which you meant that you have now anyway but then you'll have like magnuson and van dorm and the mclaren hulkenberg and bianchi and the ferrari uh I assume Hamilton and Rosberg. Mercedes are the only really team who have two fairly drivers who have got a lot of legs in them still. It's going well, to be exciting. It's going to be exciting for now in the next five years. Like, that, that's the weirdest thing because I've always I still think of Hamilton and Rosberg being fairly young. They're both twenty nine, mm -hmm. yeah. and I just think, gosh, you're thirty. And now I'm starting to think that thirty is old for a driver in Formula One, and it's like, really. I'm pretty. I don't think. Yeah. Don't think David, that's David really won the way. The title at 36. Yeah. Like, Mansell. Yeah. Like, it's so strange. C certainly, Schumacher was winning. 
you know championships into his into his late 30s so it's not like in some way that you know the if, if you're not in your 20s you're there's no way you can be better than a 19 year old kid in in any way shape or form or something like that that you can only think the the problem is is that everybody assumes that the best the best thing to do is get somebody who is the most amazing talent at t 12 <laughs> <laughs> and you forget about experience counting for something and so long as you know it's 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 better to burn through lots of drivers until you find the next Vettel or Hamilton or whoever and then persist with someone then persist and, and make make a good driver because if you get them young enough then they stay in your team for however much you know you can, you get more things that they've got less desire to drive for for other teams after winning a world championship because you know they're young and hungry and want to just win more and more and more rather than say oh i've won my championship with you so now do you know what the next thing i'd like to do is drive a ferrari or drive a mercedes or something like that because I, i've achieved the world championship bit and now i just want to do other things um but it's just uh, it's, it's, it's like drivers are getting good good younger because of all the the opportunities they've got now to race in in these feeder series and stuff and they've always kind of been there you've always had formula ford in that but like they're getting they seem to be like getting into these things much younger yeah so they're they're getting ready younger but at the same time the ability to, you don't lose the ability to drive your formula one car the second you turn 30 so all these guys who are 30 are still equally as good so you're just left with a massive amount of drivers that are that are all formula one ready and not enough seats Yes. So all these guys that have come through the Red Bull Academy that we've mentioned and other other academies are available. Uh, yeah, are all they are all ready for F1, but the guys who are here aren't ready to leave yet. So there's just it's like a backlog really, and and now we need we need forty cars on the grid basically. You could you could field a forty car grid probably and have good talent out there. Yeah. The amount of drivers that are available. I think of all the drivers that have been canned over the years that whilst didn't set the world alight, we're are capable guys, guys like Kovalainen, guys like Kovyashti, yep. etc. Oh, guys like Timo Glock. I yes. mean, where's Timo Glock? Timo Where Glock. Everybody Timo Glock? hailed as you know the next, you know, the next German sensation. And yeah, where the fuck is he? No idea. I don't even know if he's driving at all anywhere. Like he's probably in supercars or something like that, which is great, but it's not F1. Yeah, like it's just so mad. Like I say, I'm, once all these guys in the older are, are retiring, then. We'll be left with a really young core of drivers. Yeah, yeah. There doesn't. There also doesn't seem to be. There's only a few teams that have gone the route of making sure that their young drivers are paired with an older driver that they can learn from. And I don't. I think that you know. Think, yeah. That's going to come back and bite teams who push too hard in only bringing through really young kids into F1 and assuming that they'll actually learn everything just from doing it. And not from other people. Um... Yep, I agree. Like it's okay for Toro Rosso because, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter what Toro Rosso do. No, like they're just a, they're guinea pigs. They're, so they are zibiti. Literally guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. <laughs> so that's <Penny> fine. <laughs> Penny gigs. Yeah, they can do that. They can have bad results and it doesn't matter. But like, like your like your Force Indias, your Williams, your Cybers. Cyber are a great example who have just gotten their driver lineup consistently kind of off the last couple of seasons. Um yeah, the you can't, you can't there's something to be said for having an older guy around 
uh, and I, I was totally in favour of Williams taking Massa to partner Bottas. Yep. And I don't know how good an influence Massa has been on Bottas. <laughs> Maybe Bottas is just bloody fast. He, he looks like he's just extremely, extremely good, regardless of his teammate. Yes. But, like, just from a, a balance point of view, it just strikes me as the natural way to have an experienced guy and a quick, hungry young kid. And that, if I was running a team, that to me is just, it's the obvious thing to do. You're getting the best of both worlds. It's... So I, you wonder what having Jensen Button as a teammate did for Lewis Hamilton in terms of learning about the finer points of racing? Because there's, yeah. there's, you know, there's more than nobody just can possibly speed. desire can argue that probably Lewis Hamilton is out and out quicker than Jensen Button just by sheer raw, you know, mm-hmm. raw talent and stuff. But you know, there's Jensen Button else that comes with the game, yeah. Like... Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Jensen Button doesn't, you know, isn't cute about stuff. He just, you know, he he knows all the bits and pieces, and he's it's just, you know, he's not had the car to show it in any way shape or form the last couple of seasons but do you know what i mean he he won a world championship in okay so the car was good at the start of the season but they took away all the things that made it like the best car and he still made sure he won you know mm-hmm. against he ground it things. out towards the end of that season and I, that i think is you know that's the kind of thing that i see in hamilton now hamilton's better at grinding things out than yeah he, he definitely has improved that side of his game yeah Whereas before, I think he was a bit. If if he had an off day, then it really, you know, he was just hootling along doing whatever he was doing because he didn't feel it. But now I think he can work through that, and I think that's down to his teammate. And I don't, you know, that's true up and down the paddock, isn't it? Whoever gets the benefit of driving with somebody with experience who can tell him about setup, can tell him about the mentality of racing. It, that's the stuff you can't teach somebody. Um, and Absolutely. These kids can't possibly just learn by themselves. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It's not only that as well. I mean, you've obviously got everything that you've just mentioned on the track, but think of it away from the track. It's nice to have an older person you could talk to about just the crazy world that is Formula One. You know, you've got all the media stuff, all the crazy shit going on over a race weekend. And having someone who's been there for 10 years, been there, done it, knows it inside out, can surely only be a positive thing for a young 19 year old coming into the sport like it's it's a it's like a, a bubble basically it's its own little world of craziness and yeah if, if, and you know for a fact if a young kid like for example the season's a great example magnuson going into mclaren next to button you know for a fact that the day magnuson turned up for his first day at mclaren button would have said any, any any problems man any questions just don't hesitate to ask and that can't be underestimated having that kind of guy there just to go what what should we do here you know yeah especially you know especially when you've got people who are comfortable within themselves to be able to do that i kind of get the feeling that there are some some people who wouldn't be like that on a formula one grid who I'm, wouldn't i'm sure they wouldn't i'm who sure wouldn't they're, want I'm sure. to <laughs> say they'd say like like kids you know you ain't gonna get any special treatment from me. I'm not. I'm not your teacher. You know, you'll just have to be quicker than me, and then we'll we'll see how it all is. You thinking about a certain guy at Ferrari by any chance? Possibly. 
I'm thinking possibly of both guys at Ferrari, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't get the feeling that Alonso is, would necessarily be the world's most generous, generous teacher. But I think he would, he would for the right co-driver. You got a Spanish driver in there, maybe he'd. I'm thinking that if we can get Bianchi into the Ferrari, while Alonso has a season, maybe two seasons still in him, that would be yeah. the perfect situation for Bianchi to. And then when ben Alon Bianchi does a season, maybe two seasons learning from Alonso, Alonso steps down and then bang, Bianchi, perfect position to lead the team. That that to me would work. Yeah. But yeah, I think Fernando would need to have the right team. But he always seemed to really get on with Felipe, which was interesting. Despite everything that went on, from, you, you hear Fernando Alonso say that Felipe was the, the best teammate he ever had out of everybody he's ever worked with, and that included like Raikkonen and Hamilton. So, yeah... Uh, I, I think Fernando would be certainly more, more giving than uh, then, yeah the Kim's than, Kim, than, than But you know, that's okay. That's why we like Kimmy. Like that's why we love. <laughs> this is true. So, to pretty much go from one extreme to the other. <laughs> so we had the 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 youngest ever. Just 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 before we move on, it's it's two years he's breaking the record by itself. It's not just no. breaking the record; it's two years. I thought Jaime Alguersuari at nineteen when he first stepped in the car a couple of years ago. I went, "Wow, nineteen! I wow. honestly didn't think we'd get much lower than that. No. I thought you might have found somebody who was like eighteen and eleven months or something like that. But I just thought they can't do that because you you won't have the experience of driving to be able to just step into a Formula One car and stuff well fuck it we, we we shall see won't we whether that yeah i can't wait but he's not even 17 yet that's the thing is he's 16 right now he's 16 years old as we are having this conversation and he's a confirmed formula one driver in the next it's year insane it's a bit like when like manchester united saints or signed wayne rooney or when like when you first saw wayne rooney playing for everton and then you like you saw him walking down the street with his um well what's his missus name Colleen. Colleen in her school uniform and he went oh. fuck off that's that's a schoolboy earning yeah. 70 fucking thousand pounds a week or whatever ridiculous thing it was and you're just like no that's wrong that's wrong that's it so yours uh, not yours for his slip uh max infinitely more talented than yours by all accounts let's hope uh, let's hope he's as fireproof as his dad was <laughs> oh <laughs> He, uh, yeah, he's doing well in F3, and that's what I wanted to say before we move on quickly, because we were talking about theories as to why he has gotten this drive now. And the one I heard, of course, was that he was quite heavily linked with Mercedes. Um, oh. The Mercedes wanted him in the Young Driver Academy, and Red Bull also wanted him in the Young Driver Academy. And from what, what, what I've seen a few theories floating about is that Red Bull have went, come with us, and we'll guarantee you the Toro Rosso seat within the, the immediate future. Whereas, obviously, Mercedes don't, they don't have, have the a B team, so they can't... To put, to put anybody in. Yeah, they can't, they can't offer him that experience right away. And, obviously, you know, if you're a 16-year-old and they come and say to you, sit with us and you'll be driving a Formula 1 car next season, you're going to probably take it, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> so, no, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so that's the, one, that's the one I heard as to why he's been fast-tracked so quickly, was it was essentially to ward off other teams, particularly Mercedes, but Makes sense. all other teams. So yeah, who? Oh, yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait till next season. I can't wait until him and Maldonado are going into uh, the first <laughs> corner at Australia, like side by side. 
How'd you like being upside down, mate? <laughs> why did I say it in an Australian accent? No, 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 it's not Australian. What the fuck? For, for about 10 seconds, three seconds in, I went, is Max just having an Australian? Little did yes. you know that Pastor Maldonado's favourite movie is Crocodile Dundee. Uh, so, <laughs> to, to like carry on said, the ridiculous theme of uh, like everything said, we've been talking he about, has the youngest Formula One driver ever. Not in 10 years, not in 20 years, ever. And we move nicely into the complete opposite down at Caterham. Wow, indeed. Um, it's got to be, surely got to be one of the oldest debutants in Formula One. I think he's the oldest debutant in, I read, I think, 20 years. I think there's somebody... Fa didn't Fangio start really late? I think he was he was in his 30s when he started driving, so it's... <laughs> like, he won five I always just want to say so... he was the greatest driver that ever lived, so well, I guess we shouldn't probably judge just on <laughs> on how old he is. Um, but yeah, yeah very strange. Era, and Mansell was very old as well. Yes, yes, no, you're right. As I, I can't remember how old he was. I read but... Mansell's um, autobiography, and yeah, he was... Kicking about in Formula Ford and things for a long time before he finally managed to to to, to get a drive. Mm. So uh, yeah, I can't even <laughs> poor, poor fella the Le Mans boy. I've actually what's his name? I can't remember his name. Andre Lotterer. Flipped out my head. Lotterer. That's it. Thirty-two. So he's literally double the age of Max Verstappen. <laughs> literally double the age. Genius. Uh, and he's going to be kicking Kamui Kobayashi's uh, catering this weekend and forever, or just this weekend? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think catering know either. No. <laughs> but I heard he's best mates with Colin Collis. Uh. So he's, it's, you know, it's job for the boy kind of thing, apparently. Yeah. Well, so. he's, um, he's best known, f well, I said best known, it's all relative really isn't it um for uh endurance racing so le mans and and various yeah. bits well, he's won like le mans that. three times so i always think that's a bit of a swizz isn't it really because no one person wins le mans it's always a team of three drivers oh that's true yeah very true um or very occasionally two drivers but but mostly three drivers so it's just like well you might have been the shittest one out of all of those three drivers <laughs> but you get to say you won le mans that's a bit crap like if you got if you had Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen doing it, and then your third driver was Jeremy Clarkson, Jeremy Clarkson could win Le Mans t technically. Do you know what I mean? He's probably fast enough to keep it going long enough not to fucking drop out the rest of the race. And so long as the other two guys were good enough, anyway. Uh, so <laughs> brilliantly, he test drove for Jaguar in 2002, and a mere 12 years later, <laughs> a mere 12 years later, he gets his. It's driving Formula One. That's kind of ridiculous. Very odd, isn't it? Max Verstappen waits 12 days. <laughs> Andre Lodra waits 12 years. There you go. Uh, this must be money, right? I'm, I'm right, aren't I? It's money. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. <laughs> it must be coming um, in with something huge. Like or say, somebody yeah. has said, um, we'll invest in the team if you give this guy a, a go. Like I say, it's Colin Collins' friend as well, and he's a bit of a dodgy bastard, as you know. Wow. He was involved in Hispania, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very... I mean, it can't be talent. 
I mean, I can't. I mean, let's, let's be fair. Lottery, Wendell Mans and stuff. So he's obviously good, but Kobayashi uh, is better than Ericsson anyway. Put it that way. But Ericsson's kept the drive, so it must be for other reasons other than talent. You would have to suggest. Um, Ericsson's obviously going to be bringing money. This guy must be bringing money. Kobayashi's known to not be bringing an awful lot of money. He tried, remember, to get that sponsorship thing. Like he tried, was it, he did like a crowdfunding thing like last oh, season yes. or something. Yeah. So he's, he's obviously not brimming with money, um, Kobayashi, and here we are. He's been kicked out of his drive because that's unfortunately the way it goes in Formula 1. With these teams at the back, there's... It's, it's, it's kick out a drive, kick out a good driver for a pay driver, or it's they all go home because they go to the wall. So it's one of those things that it's a bit shit, but hey. the, the way it? of the world, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, but it's shit for Kobayashi because I think everybody likes Kobayashi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he always seems like such an upbeat, upbeat guy. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it seems so sad that he's getting kicked in the balls yet again. Um, this guy might surprise us and be good, but if he look at Bedoza, it ends up about eight seconds off the pace. Well, like, yeah, you just They're don't you just don't understand how he's just going to get into a Formula One car and go. There's no testing. He's not going to have a chance. He's just going to have to go out on Friday and learn everything about driving a Formula One car. Because it's not like he can even rely on his test driving experience of 12 years ago to give him yeah, any kind of... it's a completely different game from 12 years ago. Think of the rule changes in 12 years. Think of the buttons on the steering wheel. Yeah, mad. He's like I say, he's thirty-two. I have managed to research the oldest Formula One driver debutant mm-hmm. in history. Let's see if you remember this name. Two thousand and five. The oldest okay. ever Formula One debut was made in a Minardi Cosworth. Okay. Do you have any idea who it may be? Um. I'll admit that at this time I haven't. Uh, I wouldn't have known of. I wouldn't have remembered this guy hadn't I looked up. But this this is a name that's completely gone out of my head. Um, fuck, Pizzonia? I don't even know if he drove for Minardi. It's just a guess. I don't know, but I don't think he was that old. Okay. The answer is, and he drove eighteen Grand Prix in, in the Minardi. Chanok Nisani. Wow, that is... I don't know that name. I have a nearly fucking encyclopedic memory for really shit Formula 1 drivers, so... Wow. Drove for Minardi Cosworth in 2005 at the age of 42. Wow. Okay. His debut. Fair he dude. only started racing at 38. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Which is... Fantastic. Here we go. We fact about Nissan since we're talking about old Formula 1 drivers. Was Minardi's third driver uh, at the Hungarian Grand Prix uh, because of the driver's popularity in Hungary, apparently. Is that where he's, he was from? Or? No, he was... Um, he's Israeli, but is uh, based in Budapest. As so, you yeah. do. Yeah. Wow. And he uh, he's a successful businessman and initially took up motor racing as a hobby. <laughs> I think in from, the end. Got a drive from an Audi. In the just end. Just kind of show that anybody can get an F1 driver if they've got enough money. <laughs> this is true. Uh, 
Here we go, he's a reasoning better fact. Nisani was noted for being 13 seconds off the pace on his, on, on his debut. 13 seconds. Wow. So yeah, that's that. <laughs> There's almost nothing to say than that. It, it's such a strange, weird decision that you just go, well, if you, you know, that team is a fucking clusterfuck no. at the moment, so just ignore it and carry on almost. I think I've misread Wikipedia. I think I credited him having 18 Grand Prix uh, starts. You mean he That's... turned up to 18 Grand Prix <laughs> yeah, started? The only one he started was the Hungarian one because of the popularity. So, yeah, that's the one he started. It was it was one Grand Prix at 42. Uh, and, yeah, he was 13 seconds off the pace and uh, had to get craned off the circuit while still seated in the car. Oh, this is great. Because he couldn't remove his steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've always do you know what it's, I can't, can't believe I don't remember any of that oh, I suppose it was a bit it might have been when I was a teenager and was less interested in Formula 1 and more interested in boobies probably but oh five, so that would be oh 2005 was it yeah I thought you said 95 no sorry 2005 2005 was, uh, uh, was probably drunk under a table during the uh, Fernando Alonso glory years uh, maybe that's that's why I don't remember that's all I really remember about, about that was just how fucking I think I got a bit. I think I actually got a bit sick of Formula One about by about that time. I think I was just like, "Fuck it, Schumacher," and now it's this guy. I'm not. I'm not that bothered anymore. And then I kind of came back for 2007. Mhm. Mm yeah. When Alonso moved to McLaren, of course. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the fun fact for this week: old Formula One drivers and young Formula One drivers, of course. Indeed. Uh, Max. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm quite looking forward just to seeing how the guy does. Well, it could I be mean, amazing. Literally, he's it? literally stuck him in. I mean, I think he's what he turned up. Uh, I mean, they made decision what as they arrived at Belgium, pretty much. Like, I don't know how long it, how long he'd he'd known that the decision before it was announced to the media, but he's he's not exactly had time to fucking prepare, really, has he? So no. Well, uh, we'll wait and see. I'm really. Curious to see if, like, like this Nasani with 13 seconds of the pace, if he's if he's really really slow. Like, you, you think guys like um, I don't know, like guys like Chilton, for example, or these guys down the back that you don't really think of, they just look slow. But then, like, like every now and again, some will come, will come turn up who's so specifically slow that makes you realise the other guys aren't bad. Like when Bedoa was like 10 seconds off the pace in the Ferrari in that one race. You went, oh god, yeah, give me, give me back Eddie Irvin, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite amazing. So that's two driver um, changes for this weekend. This is, this is no one this weekend. Match just happened for the future, obviously. A third one announced today. Today, today. Well, yeah, they're, they're like they're actually in the process of having a race weekend now. All the conferences and that started today, yep. so. Literally at the circuit, they've made this decision, and it's another one of the um, the newer teams. Do we still call them that? I've been here what, four years, five years now. But um, yeah, Marussia have announced, and once again, I'm not quite sure who it is that's taken the, the drive. Poor Max Shetland, who's going to be sitting out this weekend. What's the name of the boy? Alexander Rossi. Oh, Rossi, yeah, he's. He's a GP2 man, isn't he? Uh, yeah. He is at the moment. He's doing very badly in GP2. He's yeah. 
somewhere near the bottom. <laughs> just like, okay, never mind. Uh, yeah. And this one looks definitely to do with money, well, doesn't it? <laughs> the, the news coming out is that um, Max Chilton did the very British thing of, of volunteering his seat so that Rossi could get a drive and therefore pump money into the team. Um, which can't make you feel very happy if you're part of the team, knowing that they're so desperate for cash that that's what they're having to do. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not really good for morale of the team, is it? <laughs> yeah. In the year that they've got their first points and look like they're going to pretty much unequivocally be better than catering for the first year. Better than sober at this stage. Well, yeah, that's true enough. Do you know what I mean? That that they're still scrapping around for the cash probably to keep the whole operation running is just really worrying. Yeah, that is, it's concerning. Yeah, well, I've been watching quite a bit of the GP2 and you're right when you say that the man they've chosen to put in a car, Rossi, hasn't really been setting the light the world on fire down there. So, I mean, Chilton, Chilton himself is, is pretty much Mr. Blah. He's never never really shown anything so no i mean rossi rossi had some good results back in uh driving formula bmw um and then has done pretty much nothing since one third place in uh 3.5 in 2011 it is like his best result in i guess what i could probably put across as maybe like a a, a top series because I know the BMW they don't generally take people from Formula BMW these days they used to you used to see people coming straight from Formula BMW but but very much less so these days so mm -hmm. do you know what I mean he yeah I've been looking at his GP2 results right now and doesn't really look that great does it doesn't stand out as ever having anything to to really write home about so no, when an you... interesting decision to put him in a car, but again, like we say, you'd have to think as money based. Well, I mean, is exactly, and that's the only one that we can at least sort of confirm. Do you know what I mean? Is basically Chilton sold his seat to, you know, get get the cash in for the team. Taking one for the team, essentially, isn't he? Quite literally, taking one for the team. <sighs> These back marker teams, they're more hassle than they're worth. Well, I'm starting to, do you know what I mean? I've been a real, real um, staunch advocate that I would prefer back marker teams, but give them the support to grow as a team than have third-party teams. But if this is the kind of bullshit that we're going to go, it's not good for the support in any way, shape or form. So... It's good for us to have something to talk about. But, oh yes, um, yes. It is but no, I mean, from from an image perspective, to the outside world, doesn't look particularly great to see these guys at the back having to bring in literally whore out your seats. Yeah, that's, literally. Yeah, that's what it's like. Essentially, anybody with a like, what if um, who's rich? If Bill Gates fancy driving a Formula One car for a weekend, could he turn up with I bet he would. If he turned up and said I'll put I'll put twenty million into the team. Can I drive this car? Let me go. He'd be like, Brian, fair enough. Yeah. Fucking I mean, we lose I... one race weekend for one car, but I don't care. I mean, there'll, be, there'll be some Russian oligarch in one of those fucking cars by the end of the season, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's essentially when when things like that happen, I mean it's a different sport then. You've got it's two formulae that's the the front running teams and then the piss take at the back, more or less. 
And, you know, exactly. even a team like Minardi back in the day was still a proper racing outfit, and that's kind mm -hmm. of how it felt. They, yeah. they struggled, do you know what I mean? And, yeah, they changed the tribal lineups during the season. They weren't averse to that. But at least it didn't kind of feel like, I don't know, that they didn't belong. And I just, yeah. I'm just i starting to feel that both Caterham and Mauritius just don't belong. And that's really sad. It's really sad that we can't bring on teams and allow them to flourish and feel like they've become part of the sport. But but maybe we can, and these teams have just failed <laughs> down to their own... Fuck I mean, there, there, there becomes a point where it's like, right... It's not us, it's you. It's not, yeah, you... <laughs> I mean, we're, there, there does become a point where it's like, right, we, we can only do so much. So, like... Yeah. What... Because it looked like Caterham were going to progress for a long time. It looked like they really? were going to make it. Like, for, for the first two seasons, when they had Kovalainen and Trulli. It really it looked like, like they were they were able to develop the car. And I don't know whether it was just that all the money ran out. They put the money in, and then everybody started going, oh, well, we're not really going and progressing quite as quickly as we hoped. You know, first couple of seasons, optimism was stamped out, and then they started cutting the budget in all of the bits that they thought weren't necessary but obviously clearly very much were you know because I don't think you know I think kind of site wise in terms of the infrastructure I think Caterham have got a much better set setup than Marussia do comparatively and have access to better stuff with some of the technical partnerships that they've got so I don't think that Marussia can necessarily be developing the car either much quicker than they are it's just that they've just gotten better at it. You know, they've... And... What's the fucking point? What's... Uh, it's just becoming like that. It's becoming... They're, like they're becoming like Gil from The Simpsons. Remember Gil, the sales guy? I don't really oh, watch Oh, jeez. Give me, gotta give me a sale. I need a sale. I really need a sale. It's gonna... My wife's gonna kick me out if I don't get a... Oh, jeez. No. Nah, I don't watch The Simpsons, sorry, man. <laughs> but, but, like... It was a really good impression, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I mean, McCaterham, with, with Fernandez selling Caterham as well, like, the guys he sold them to... <laughs> yes, fucked up the last team that they were all involved in. Nice. I mean, the, writing, the writing's been on the wall for, I mean, this whole year. As soon as he turned up in Australia, it was like, Fernandez is selling the team soon. Yeah, like... There was six months of solid, like, is it going to be now? Is it going to be now? And he would come out and say, no, no, I'm not selling the team. I'm not selling the team. And then one day, the team was sold. <laughs> and these sales don't just happen overnight. So obviously he was actively trying to sell the team pretty much all year until he finally got it done. And, like I say, the guys he sold them to, I wouldn't sell them a ham. <laughs> I'd feel bad for the ham. <laughs> So, like, I mean, yeah, the writing's on the wall for Caterham. And I thought Russia were getting somewhere. It's been the most progressive season Russia I've ever had. Yes. So it was like, right enough, we're losing Caterham, but boy, it does look like Russia are really going for it. They'd become, when they first started under Branson, under the Virgin Banner, to me it was like, oh, I don't like Richard Branson. It's just a fucking vanity project for Branson. Don't yeah. care about Virgin, don't care how they do in the last season or two, they've changed all the personnel. They've got a couple of guys running them who really kind of know the know the stuff a bit more, and 
the uh, it was like, all oh, right, Marussia, and look, they got a couple of points, and they've stuck Jules Bianchi in the car, who's quality, and maybe Marussia can be the new Minardi. They're never going to win races, but you know, yeah, maybe Marussia that yeah, maybe Marussia have their have found their their place finally, and then they go and do this, this literally whoring out the seat as you put it. Max, you're going to need to sit down. We've got a hooker in this in the fucking car this weekend. This, but <laughs> it's kind of just like they've kind of, I feel like they've undone. What has been six months of quite frankly really good season for Marussia. So yeah. No, I'm I'm with you on that one really. To be honest with interesting. you, interesting. Anyway, it, it's bizarre. Karen, Karen can go fuck themselves now. Like now that they've gotten rid of uh, Kobayashi, they've gotten rid of Kovalainen obviously a season or two ago. They've gotten rid of Truly, who I always liked. I even quite like Petrov. A bad time. I didn't oh, mind wow. Vitaly Petrov. I actually quite like Vitaly Petrov. Despite him holding up Fernando in Abu Dhabi all that time in the Renault, but yeah, I quite I didn't mind Petrov. I'd, see, I'd seen worse. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I've seen worse than Petrov. There's been more drivers than Petrov. He's fine. And then now they've got Ericsson, who is he's not a Formula One driver. He's not good enough. He's not got the car to show what he can do, but I don't think he's good enough. And um, and uh, this this guy, this this Le Mans Lottener, so. Yeah, I've I've not I've lost all I've lost all patience for Caterham. No, it's yeah. It, it's the second the second Fernandez lost the battle for to take the Lotus name. I think he. I think that was it for him. He he wanted to revive Lotus, the brand, and when it didn't when he didn't get to do that, well I think they'd have like, they'd have it. kept themselves going in merch sales alone, yeah, because they? they'd have hauled out every, you know, British racing green and yellow covered what happened they tried as it was do you know what i mean and it just yeah it just didn't happen so second he lost that battle i think he he's not he's not shy in jumping fernandez if the business is like again he's, he's a businessman and if it's not working out for him he isn't shy in jumping and he's proven that with the f1 team and i think he'll, pr he'll probably prove it with the football team as well whenever <laughs> whenever when when he goes to up there yeah. yeah, when it goes, if QPR if it goes tits up with QPR, he'll be he'll be straight out the door because that's what he does. He's a businessman at the end of the day. Yeah, and and that's fair enough. But now he's left the team, <laughs> this, this dead shell of a team with massive like, debts and debts closing and, down all of the fucking yeah. bits of the factory that they can to save it's money. It's not good for our sport that we love for this shit to be going on because it just gives people who moan and bitch and slag F one ammunition to. Oh look at this! Look what's happening to these teams and job losses and all this kind of thing. No, <sighs> no, it's not. But, not fun. Is there a but coming? Is there a positive spin we can put on it? No, no, that's it. <laughs> well, uh, I'd like to say there was, but there's not. I, like I say, I've I've pretty much given up all hope on them at the moment. So, you know, you know, when I give up hope on somebody, that it's pretty terrible because I'll fucking hang on to the merest possible slightest positive edge on anything if i possibly can i'm not a natural pessimist about formula one so who have you given up on just Caterham. pretty Stop much I'm, I'm i'm starting to give up on russia now that they've done this um i just there was a time in formula one when changing drivers in the middle of the season was pretty much a done thing it just fucking happened and you just knew it um but that just isn't Formula One these days. So when you go back and are doing this kind of thing, and especially for the money, it's just, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. 
Nope, it isn't. No. The, the, the little bit of an annoying thing for me is going back to Rossi coming in the Marussia. Like, there's such good talent in GP2. I feel like it, the guy the guy that they've picked is probably like in the bottom five. Yeah. Interesting drivers. You know, where's. Like, I, I know, like I know a lot of the GP2 drivers. Sorry, mate. Sorry, no. I was just going to say, I know a lot of the GP2 drivers are signed up to be like test or junior or backup drivers for yeah. other Formula One teams. But surely there's got to be some of those Formula One teams going, we'd rather, you know. Give give these guys some experience in the yeah. way that Daniel Ricciardo did with HRT, and look, on, look what yeah. that did for that guy. You know yeah. why is Felipe Nazar not being looked at to do those sort of things, yeah. or or Daniel Coletti, or any of the guys who were doing really well in GP2 at the moment? Why is stuff on the Van Dorn? Yeah, not... as we said, even Van Dorn, yeah, even Van Dorn. In and all... he's only been in GP2 six months. He's only this is only his first year in GP2, and he's he's got he's got you know. Um, Comprehensively better than Alexander Rossi, apparently. So, oh, yeah, by 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 a <laughs> large margin. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so not yeah, like that's even... the one thing. There's, I can't even say like, oh well, at least we'll get to see what this guy does, even though it's a bit shitty. Marussia doing what they're doing. There's the bright side, but not going to be. Oh well, at least they've stuck in so and so in the car, and he's quite good. So we'll see how he gets on. But Rossi is just kind of like ah. He's, he's going to be rubbish. Who, who was willing? So. We, you know, we off, we asked around about who was willing to pay X amount for a seat, and this guy was. Hooray! <laughs> so, well, so watch him score a point now in a rain-soaked spa weekend or something. Oh, win it, when like, he or something fucking ridiculous. Fucked. Yeah. Like safety bangs. car after safety car, and he just ends up first and <laughs> crosses the line at five miles an hour. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So one so thing I yeah three sorry three three changes. Is there any news that isn't driver changes? There's not not any real news, but it was something that um, a good friend of the uh, the podcast on Twitter at good underscore podcasts uh, brought up, and it, it's something I haven't. It's gone under my radar, really. Um, but you you remember Pat Simmons from his days at uh, Renault? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd completely missed that he is now at Williams. Did you? Did you not know that? I just didn't. It just, <laughs> it just didn't cross my memory bank. So I, I'd seen him at Williams and then just not really put two and two together. And yeah. Just kind of was just thinking, how is he back in Formula One? Like Fabio Batori is, it was banned for life. Simmons' ban was only like five years. I know, and I was just yeah. kind of thinking, ooh, uh, funny, so, isn't it? It's kind of like, because yeah, there was a big sort of. I read a big article when he came back. It was kind of like detailing his career like who is pat simmons type article the man behind the singapore incident uh yeah and because i think he was i vaguely remember him being signed to williams but not literally like suarez basically like literally (laughs) not allowed to turn up until he bit somebody did he (laughs) until he's well until he's until his ban was up so the williams had, had, had done the paperwork and all of that and like simmons couldn't turn up to Grand Prix until his official date was was, was met. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, like I, I definitely remember that happening, and it just surprises me that you didn't. <laughs> uh, I know it's just. Uh, I mean, he's been on. T- I've seen him on TV a couple of times this season. Well, I think and I probably have as well. <laughs> and that's the weirdest thing. It's just that it wasn't until somebody pointed it out. I went, oh fuck yeah, that's why I. That's why I was thinking about it probably at the time when it was just going. Oh no, I know him. No, what is it? Fuck, I can't remember. So I, I think really. 
do you does having Pat Simmons on board slightly taint your pleasure at how Williams are doing? No, a bit no, like a bit like you know, if you were not necessarily a Barcelona fan, but you were watching Barcelona in a match, and then there's Suarez, and you think, oh well, he's a biting, cheating cunt. So I don't. Nah, I'm uh, I'm probably the in the minority here, but like I. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but like I, I, I I'm trying to say this without sounding ridiculous. But I approve. I don't want to say I approved of what they did in Singapore. That's not the right word I want to use because obviously it's not approval. But like, put it this way. You'd have done it. I I, I, I let me put it like this. This is a good example. If my striker for my football team dives and wins a penalty, I'm okay with that. And I'm on a one so far, and he won the race. So, I think, however, I think, I'm a total hypocrite because had it been McLaren that had done it, etc., I'd be absolutely boiling with rage. Well, obviously, my but, my um, my way of looking at it is is less like diving for a penalty. Mine is kind of more like the the other team has a star star midfielder, so you send on a guy who doesn't Vinnie have very Jones. much. For, yeah, you put on Vinnie Jones, who's. <laughs> wouldn't normally play your first line and, and you get him to fucking cripple the guy in the first five minutes of the match you know li- like literally leap in knee high and fucking break <laughs> his leg do you know what I mean and it's so that you, you can score so that it. you know you don't have to worry about him and even at, with, with sort of ten man down you, you know it's a massive threat taken away because they're a one man team that's how it feels to me about that thing because it the, the dangerousness of um um of what uh, of what happened, kind of, you know, it's not just a tactic. There, it's. Um... I know, I know, I get what you're saying. It's but, the level of cheating. Yeah, I get. I totally get what you're saying, but I, I, because because it's it's the difference between um, the guy at Portsmouth who bet on himself to be sent off, and so ended up punching somebody just to make sure he got sent off. As opposed to, was it Matt Letizia who said um, somebody said that they'd uh, put a bet on if the first throw him was in the tenth minute, mm-hmm. and he was yeah, deliberately he holding it, yeah. onto the ball to try and make sure he did it. Where he did. Doesn't affect the match in any way, shape, or form. Nobody really loses out, but it's a bit underhand as opposed to <laughs> doing something that completely affects. Yeah, I get. I, I hear you, but. You don't give a fuck. I mean, it's not, it's not that. It's, it's not that. It's that I can look back on the incident. That fucking knack t-shirt has gone to your head, mate. You are not part of the new age clique. <laughs> it's that I can look back on the incident and see that it was okay. It was a, it was a small shunt. Nothing happened. Nobody was injured. It was, it was, it was really quite a relatively small accident. And so I, I, I've got that ability to look back on that and, and, and see that it was okay. So therefore, my opinion of it has been affected by that, by my knowing that it was fine. Like, no, like, like whereas if the, in your analogy of the football, the guy got punched, so that, that someone was clearly physically injured there. So it's like, to me, like to me I, I just feel like it's closer to the, to the victimless side of it <laughs> apparently so apart from because, all the other teams who got royally fucked yeah I right. mean but like they were they were they were 
were victims in the sense that they didn't win the race and they lost points, but there wasn't any actual human injury or harm. So I guess I'm I'm going well done for that, guys. You didn't kill anybody, so it's okay. Like, and I know I'm quite self-aware in that. I know I'm probably in the minority here, but like, like I say, like if nobody got hurt, nobody's life was ruined. Well, yeah. fucking that's I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's probably the biggest victim. Yes. Uh, actually, talking about victims, but yeah, like I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of okay with it, and that seems really bad, and I know it does. But I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at it and going, that's that's a Fernando win. I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, but I, I like Simmons as well, just in general, even. I'm prepared to look past that and see the good work he did for years at Renault, transforming the Renault side into a world championship winning side, alongside Flavio. And I've always quite just liked him, away from the Singapore thing. Before, like, just as it, like when he comes across in his interviews and that, he seems all right. So, uh, he's I give second chances. He's got a second chance. If he fucks up again, then fair enough, okay. get him out. But. I think I think that's probably yeah. actually how I feel about it in general. I don't I, I don't actually feel it. It taints it particularly. It does make you go mm-hmm, a bit when you think about it. But there's, it there's been nothing. Thing. There's nothing about what Williams have done that has seemed anything like they're cheating. So therefore, it it doesn't bother me. He's clearly not. You know. I feel like as key as Simmons was in that team at the time, and he was very key. You can't help but feel that it was probably all Flavio. <laughs> I mean, imagine that if Flavio Briatore and that Renault team said, this is what we're doing, that's what they do, you know? And I, I get the feeling that Simmons might... He just kind of comes across as a good guy who was led astray by Flavio Briatore as opposed to the criminal mastermind behind it. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy... Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm not. Who knows? But if, if I feel like that He's a nice guy who went down the wrong path in that situation, as opposed to being intentionally evil. So, therefore, I'm prepared to give him a second chance to show that he can do that, which is thus far he has done at Williams. So, let's hope, I hope he keeps up because I like Williams. So. Fair dues, fair dues. I think that probably kind of takes us to the end of all that we need to discuss on on this particular podcast. Um, with no Belgium actual. Yeah, we've got Belgium coming ahead. We did, we did a preview of it in the uh, last episode, so go back and listen to that one if you want to hear our thoughts of of what we think is going to happen in uh, in that Mercedes, race. Mercedes landslide, I think, this weekend. I think that's what we pretty much decided it was going yeah. to be. Um, Interesting little story before we go. Um, I was out on Tuesday night uh, for some French stuff. Bumped into a guy, just pure chance, just got chat, and he was like 60 from uh, Berkshire. Berkshire. And uh, I was mentioning how I work in, in the uh, gambling industry, and he was like, do you take any bets on Formula One? And I was like, oh, you know, occasionally. Uh, I love. I was like, I love my Formula One myself. Do you, are you interested in Formula One? This is just a complete stranger at the, at the bar. And he goes, oh, I don't mind it, but I'm best friends with Paddy Lowe. And what? Then, uh, and he, I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, uh, I've known him for years. Our two daughters are the same age, and they're best friends. We we go on holiday and stuff together. I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> and he was like, oh, he didn't he didn't actually say that initially. He actually went, um, I'm best friends with the guy at Mercedes. And I went, well, I'll know the guy. I know the guys at Mercedes. Who do you mean? And he went, oh, they're technical director. And I was like, Paddy Lowe. And he was like, yeah. 
And I was like, your best mate's a Paddy Lowe? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's that's brilliant. That's sick. Yeah. And he was saying that just like, just talking away about Paddy Lowe, a little bit, saying how nice the guy is and their best mates and stuff. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. Like, it was just pure chance. Huh? Just a complete stranger at the bar. Don't even know, I can't remember how I got talking to them. I was just chatting to anybody. I was quite a, quite a loose tongue that evening, so... Yeah, it was so strange. I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. So, <laughs> yeah, met Paddy Lowe's best friend the other day. <laughs> Wicked. Well, before the end of the show, what I wanted to do is just do a couple of shout-outs from um, uh, things from Twitter and Facebook and bits and pieces, people who have been uh, nice and been in contact with us. Uh, first guy I've got to give a shout-out to is the uh, excellently named at Jim Helwig 835. Do you know, do you know Jim? Yeah, I've seen his tweets, yeah, I've seen... He's a good man, he's a man who's very yeah. much into into the podcast and has been uh, retweeting yeah, we, and favouring our tweets. As always, we, we appreciate uh, any, any interaction. You're uh, more than welcome to tweet Facebook and I can call into the show if you want. Come and, come and tell us how wrong we are about Pat Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I've I seen, uh, seen Jim, it's good to, it's good to have someone... Uh, Doing that kind of thing, it's always fun. Uh, and I'd also like to thank uh, Autosports Art uh, for retweeting uh, our, our tweet today to their uh, something like 9,000 followers. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be nice if you all started subscribing to the podcast. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Close plug. Uh, sorry <laughs> about that. Um, if you do want to get in contact with us via Twitter, we are uh, at... Oh, God, what are we now? Hang on a minute. I have to check. I was, not, I was about to say the words that we are not allowed to say anymore for fear of suing by the Americans. Uh, we are at lat, Last Lap Podcast, which is hard to say. Um, Facebook, uh, I can't tell you the URL because Facebook are crap and they don't change the URL once you change the title of your Facebook page. So the URL still has the wrong name in it. That's stupid. It's really stupid. But if you uh, start typing in The Last Lap F1 Podcast, you will find our Facebook page. You can message us on there, uh, reply to our comments, uh, put up any little questions that you want us to look at or anything that you find interesting in the Formula 1 news that you want us to cover in the podcasts. We'll happily uh, pick it up from there. Uh, And remember, you can download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Um, But if you're not one to support the maniacal reign of apple in the technology department you can just (laughs) you can just go straight to uh the website which hosts every single one of our episodes and you can always download and stream them from there which is www.modernfanatical.co.uk yep do that or go to itunes as well don't let me influence you but i'm I'm personally a samsung kind of guy but (laughs) both um, are good i think is the other (laughs) other brands are available oh yeah yeah uh Go to the website, yeah, go to iTunes, whatever, whatever floats your boat, whatever uh, drives your car, you know, just making up metaphors now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, thanks very much, everybody, for tuning into this little uh, podcast et before the uh, upcoming Grand Prix. We will... Title this episode: Driver Changes. Driver Changes Everywhere. <laughs> yes, I, I think that is exactly what it shall be called. Um, and on that note, we'll uh, see you after the Belgian Grand Prix with our thoughts of one of our favourite Grand Prix. So yeah, we will. Cracker, can't wait. So we'll see you all again then. Thanks very much for listening. Bye bye. See you.